Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall asking an age-old question. In this flawed world, can good ever come from evil? There are those of you who will answer yes. Others, a resounding no. Still others, astride a moral fence, cannot make up their minds. In the story I bring you, let us seek the answer in an individual case. You will be the jury, and at the story's end, bring in your verdict. Can good ever come from evil? Now stop, Susan. Just stop. I won't be part of such a wicked scheme. Please, Aunt Tim, please. I know how to do it, but I can't do it without you. No, it is wrong. It's evil. It's not. Please, Aunt Tim. No, and that is final. Don't mention such an abomination again. Our mystery drama, The Orphaned Heart, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Nancy Moore and stars Roberta Maxwell. I shall return shortly with Act One. operating room of Mercy Hospital was there not as a nurse, but as a patient, paralyzed from a crushed spine. Dr. Levy, chief surgeon, leans above her, his kind old eyes trying to disguise what they both knew, that she was dying. Where, she wondered, was David? Hurt, too, in the automobile accident? Dead? She tries to say his name. Only a dry sound struggles from her throat before the ether claims her. When she returns to consciousness, but this is Susan's story. Only she can do it justice. Like any romantic girl, I had always dreamed of a church wedding. Bridesmaids and organ music. The bride in satin and lace. Instead, I wore a coarse hospital gown. And instead of standing at a flowering altar, I lay flat on a hospital bed. I, David, take thee, Susan. I, Susan, take thee, David, till death do us part. part them soon. David kissed me, feeling the pitiful vows. Then, Dr. Levy's voice saying, Susan must rest now. And the room was empty. The bride alone. Remembering. I fell in love with David the first time I saw him. A new surgeon at Mercy where I was head nurse. But Dr. David Clark's mind was only on medicine. He paid no mind at all to Susan Martin. Then, by some marvelous 
good fortune. Or was it? I was nearby when Dr. Levy spoke on that subject to David. Doctor, all work and no play eventually makes a bungling surgeon. You will take time off every week. I don't need or want any time off, Dr. Levy. I'll make the diagnosis here. Time off. That's an order. Nurse Martin, see that Dr. Clark obeys. <laughs> How do I do that, Dr. Levy? Well, David, how does she? <laughs> Martin, I'm not sure I remember how to play. But if you're willing to be my assistant off-duty as well as on, I'll give it a try. Willing? A cardiogram right then would have shown my heart gone crazy. That night, David took me to dinner. He really had forgotten how to play, but two cocktails loosened him a little. After that, he took me out once a week, a pattern set. A few drinks to relax him, laughter, companionship, a kiss goodnight. Each time, I loved him more. My Aunt Timothy Simmons was the only person I could talk to about David. Was there, I asked her, anything wrong with trying to make him love me? No, but I think there's a good deal wrong with how you're going about it. All I do is try to be good company. But seeing to it that he drinks more than he should is being good company. Liquor breaks down barriers. Mm, no doubt. But liquor won't make him love you. Oh, and Tim, he'll love me. And he'll marry me. Wait and see. One summer night, David and I went to the seashore. After a moonlight swim, we lay close on the warm sand, had drinks from a thermos, and forgot to eat our picnic supper. He kissed me longer and sweeter than he ever had, and called me Susan. Always before, I was Martin. Susan. Susan. Oh, David. I love you. I love you so. Martin, no. Don't, please. You're very dear, but... What's happened between us doesn't mean I... I... Love me? I know it doesn't. I've always known. Forget that I said that nonsense. It was the martinis talking. It's forgotten. Come, let's go for a drive. We drove with the top down under a full moon. I didn't care that David was driving much too fast. And I didn't see the sharp turn. At the moment we hurtled over a steep grade... I was wishing on a shooting star that David would love me and marry me one day. In the hospital, after the long operation, when I came back to consciousness, David, unhurt, sat beside my bed, pale and stricken. Oh, Lord, Susan, what have I done to you? How can I make up for this? Uh, marry me, Susan. Marry me. Later, the nurse told me that in my delirium, I had cried out over and over, David, love me, marry me. And David heard. Why did I allow such a mockery of marriage? Because I believed what everyone believed, that I was dying, and I could face death with part of my life's dream come true. I, David, take thee, Susan, till death do us part. 
So, after that pitiful ceremony, Dr. Levy said... Susan must rest now, David. Alone, Mrs. David Clark lay waiting to die. Mrs. David Clark. Like another shooting star, the marvel of that name shot through me. Every nerve and cell sprang to life, strength flowing into me. By all the rules, I should have died. I prayed to live to be David's wife. I did live. And a thousand times I wish I could have died. You and the good Lord have wrought a miracle. The miracle doesn't include making me whole, letting me walk. Susan, perhaps with time. No. Dr. Levy is certain. I can never even use crutches. David is married to a woman he doesn't love. Husband of a wife tied to a wheelchair. I know what I have to do, Aunt Tim. Quickly. Now. Or I, I wouldn't have the moral strength ever to do it at all. David? Which one of us gets the divorce? No, neither of us will get a divorce, Susan. Now, you're not going to hold me to a marriage I hardly knew was happening. You know very well I was too sick to know what I was doing. I don't know any such thing. And I know what you're doing now. Giving me an out. I don't want out. You're my wife and you'll stay my wife. Only because you feel guilty about me. I am guilty. No. What happened was an accident. It could have happened to anyone. Was it an accident that I drank too much and drove like a maniac? Let me do the little I can do to make up for what I've done to you. Don't take that chance away from me, Susan. Don't make me any more guilty than I already am. Nothing would change his mind. Before I left the hospital, he bought a lovely house, all on one floor with a garden where I could paint not very good pictures of the flowers. He hired a live-in nurse, but was so exacting about my care that she soon departed. Two more came and left. Then David went to Aunt Timothy... Aunt Tim, I'm here to apologize. What in heaven's name for? Refusing your offer to take care of Susan. I still think it's too much to ask, but... Now I'm asking. In fact, begging. You know you don't have to beg. Susan is an RN, the best. She'll know when something more is needed than you can manage. Will you come? Tim, a thousand thanks for coming. It'll be lovely to have you here. Well, if ever it isn't lovely, if I get on your nerves or David's nerves or the cat's nerves, I want your solemn vow that you'll tell me. I solemnly vow. And I vow, once you say the word, I will vanish out, gone. No hard feelings. I wish David would vanish just because I say the word. Out, gone, no hard feelings. I've lost count of how many times I've asked him for a divorce. And nothing's changed. He, he doesn't seem restive. If he is, he doesn't let it show. No wife ever had a more kind and thoughtful husband. I'm so glad for you. Well, don't be glad. Can't you see his wretched goodness and sweetness make me love him more? I see, but I don't... I th don't want to love him. I know. I know. If he were rotten to me, I could say, get out, leave me alone. I don't want you anywhere near me. And mean that so he'd believe me and go. One day, I will say it. 
I plan how. I, I, I rehearse it. I, I scream it so the lie will have the ring of truth. I've never yelled at David. He'll believe me if I yell. He'll... Oh, and him. He's got to believe me this time. I can't wreck his life any longer. I'm sick of the charade, David. Bored into the grave with it. It's an empty act and I hate it. Get out. Just get out. I just don't want you anywhere near me anymore. No. He could read my eyes. The months of mock marriage became three years. Where would it end? In my orphaned heart, I knew it had to end. But who would dream it would end the way it did? A few miles from our city flowed a wide river where I liked best to paint. Aunt Tim would drive me there, settle me on the bank with easel and paints, then leave to do her shopping. In spring, the waters fed by mountain streams ran wild and high, threatening to overflow. And in March of the fourth year... Dear, are you sure you don't mind staying alone when the river is like this? I like it best this way. It fascinates me. Well, I don't like it a bit. I'm afraid of it. What if there's a flash flood? Now, I'm putting your chair far from the bank, and I want you to promise you won't wheel any closer. That was the spring David fell in love. But not with me. He was not less kind, but his eyes sometimes had a faraway look. And once, wool gathering like that, he called me Laura. I asked who Laura was. Laura? Oh, why, she's the new head nurse at Mercy Hospital. birthday, two weeks later, David sent me flowers. The card read, Laura, my love. No signature. Weeping, I showed the card to Aunt Tim. Oh, my. Uh, Susan? Why are you crying? A divorce is what you wanted from the beginning. I don't want it anymore. I want David any way I can have him. A fool's paradise is better than no paradise at all. I can refuse to give him a divorce, can't I? Yes, you can. Just because I'm a paraplegic isn't grounds for divorce? No, but those aren't the grounds, are they, Susan? You're saying if I really love him, I'd want his happiness. I will give him a divorce. David's request never came. Our arid life went on as before. Only his haunted eyes spoke, but he meant to continue doing his duty. I would have had to ask him for divorce myself. And this time, his answer would be different. Susan, please. We agreed not to talk about divorce again. You've paid your debt to me, David. A debt never owed. Three years of paying. Now you've another debt to pay. What debt? The debt you owe to love. And love's name is Laura. How did you know? The florist cards were mixed up. Oh, I'm so sorry you had to find out like this because it's over. 
I'm not seeing Laura at all. Please believe me. It's true something began between us, but we stopped it. I swear there's nothing now. Except love. I want you to have your love, David. Do you think we could have any happiness knowing it was stolen from you? Happiness can't be built on selfishness. There'll be no divorce. Ever. Did I love David without selfishness? I believe that I did. But what could I do that I hadn't done to set him free? The next day, at the river, I knew. distant mountains, sending down angry waters, straining to leap the river's banks. Susan sits painting the dark, swirling water, sits far back where Aunt Tim had anchored her chair. She feels compelled to paint, not what she sees, but what she imagines, the dangerous river at full flood, covering the very spot where she sits, and the ominous painting carries a message, death by drowning. I will return with Act Two shortly. What have we now? A painting that seems to speak to the painter. Death by drowning, Susan. But your death will not look as if you chose it. It will seem an accident... And this time, your beloved need feel no guilt. Once another accident bound him to you, this one will set him free. At first, when the message came to me, I shouted, no, no, and flung the painting to the ground. Thou shalt not kill. It was murder, self-murder, a sin. Believing that? Why did I keep thinking of it? My mind thrashed like the river. And by the time Aunt Tim came back, I had to tell her the awful thoughts that wouldn't go away. I knew I shouldn't have left you in this dreadful place. It's made you morbid. Well, you can be sure I won't bring you back till the danger of flood is past. Oh, how I wish we didn't live near this awful river. Susan? But now what are you thinking? You've just given me an idea. Let's move away, Aunt Tim. You see, you're talking more nonsense. You know as well as I do David can't be asked to move his practice. I don't mean David should go with us. I see exactly what we can do and how. One day, after the spring rains, when the river really is at flood, I'll come here to paint. While you're gone, I'll disappear. Or seem to. All the evidence will say I drowned, and David will believe the flood swept me away. Susan! Your story will be that when you came back from shopping, poor Susan and her chair were gone. He'll think I wheeled it too close, or the brakes didn't hold. Uh, Susan, just stop. I won't be part of such a wicked scheme. Please, Aunt Tim, please. I know how to do it all, but I can't do it without you. No. Now, even if I agreed, it wouldn't work. You're not thinking of all the problems, the, the obstacles. The... I am, I am. And it's clearer every minute. I know where we'll go and what we'll do. We're not going anywhere. 
Do you love David? Oh, Susan, you know I do. Then prove it. Together we can give him back his life and give him Laura. There. Now that shows how adult you are. Even if David believes you're dead, he can't marry Laura. There's a law that if a body isn't found, seven years have to pass before a missing person is legally dead. Oh. The body of Susan Martin Clark won't be found and David can't marry anyone. No. Wait. He can be with his Laura, be free to love her, and the seven years will pass. Years of love. Not duty because he's tied to me. Oh, Susan. We can live on Uncle George's life insurance. It's more than enough. He didn't leave it to me for this. Our whole lives hiding? What kind of life is that? When it's safe, after a few months, we can go to Europe. You love Europe. Live in a charming, obscure village in Portugal or France where tourists never come. Yes. And Tim? No. All right. If you won't help me, then I... I really will drown myself. I will. And Tim? Yes, Susan. I think Aunt Tim knew I wouldn't carry out that shameless threat. But how could she be sure? We sat still till twilight planning. When we reached home, the plan was set in motion. David, uh, Susan will go and paint by the river, and the place scares me. It's so wild and dangerous this time of year. Well, then stay with her the whole time. Now, that's just silly, you two. I like being alone, and I paint better alone. What's more, I... I have this odd feeling that the river has answers to all my questions. But Aunt Tim had been right. Problems and obstacles were so endless, I sometimes grow discouraged. Sometimes depressed. How could I live in a world without David? Other times I had grave doubts. Was, was what I planned wrong? Could only evil come from living a lie? But we went right on planning. The first essential was finding a place to stay in the mountains. Well, it certainly can't be a hotel or a motel. Oh, no. Absolute privacy. A, a remote furnished cottage with no close neighbors. But near enough to a village where I can buy supplies. Most important, near enough to this city. So on the day Susan Clark dies... Don't say that. So on that day, you can drive me to our hideaway and get back home the same day to tell David the sad story of the river's treachery. Susan, Susan, I don't... I don't think I can go through with this. You can. You will. Now, we've got to look ahead, not back. Plan, plan, a thousand things. Buy me a wig, Aunt Tim. What? After I've drowned, there'll be publicity, bound to be. My picture will be all over the papers, I'm sure. When we go house hunting, I mustn't be recognized. Uh, a little black bobbed wig, Aunt Tim. Oh, your beautiful long blonde hair all hidden... Susan, let me tell you something. Finding a place where two women can live alone won't be as easy as buying a wig. I know that. But we'll find that place. Don't be too sure. And I'll tell you something else. 
If we look at house after house in the mountains, cottage after cottage, and not one is right or even possible, then it will most surely be a sign that we are not meant to do this unnatural thing. Not meant to, Susan Clark. And the Lord will be seeing to it that we can't. By Aunt Tim's sign theory, the Lord was highly in favor. Very soon, we were led to an almost perfect hideaway. A pretty isolated cottage, 60 miles from the city. The sign out front told us part of what we needed to know. Furnished cottage for rent... Monthly or yearly. Aunt Tim, we are supposed to do this. The little house is telling us so. In the village three miles away, we got the key from the owner, Mr. Alby. Luckily, he was too busy in his hardware store to go through the house with us, or I'd have had to stay in the car faking a sprained ankle. The cottage inside suited exactly, and Aunt Tim, to her own disgust, was developing into a marvelous liar. Mr. Albee, my niece's name is Mrs. Clayton, and I'm Mrs. Timmons. We're both widows and both love the mountains. We'd like to rent your cottage for at least six months. Well, now, ladies, it looks like it was just meant for the two of you. I want to believe that, Mr. Albee. When will you be moving in? Why, uh, we're not sure yet. Some problems to solve first. Anyhow, the rainy season begins soon. I, I think we should come after the rains. Don't you think we should, Aunt Tim? Oh, yes, afterwards, absolutely. Ma'am, you ought to come before the rains. Then you'd see the stream alongside your cottage thundering down the mountain. It's a sight to behold. I, uh, well, yes, I, I'm sure it is. We'll try, Mr. Alby, but... We just can't promise. Well, any time suits me, ladies. I will pay the first month's rental now, if that's satisfactory. Well, it's fine and dandy. And I hope you'll be happy up here. Uh, kind of a long holiday, I take it? Very long. Longer than we've ever had. We brought it off, Aunt Tim. Weren't we clever every step? Full of lies. That's what we were. And wasn't I foxy saying I walked through the woods round the cottage? Yes, that was a good red herring. Now, if Mr. Alby reads in the city paper that Mrs. David Clark, who drowned, was a victim of paralysis, he won't associate that name with Mrs. Clayton, who tramped through the woods. Oh, the stage is all set, Mrs. Timmons. The die is cast. Well, I wish I could be cheerful about it like you. I shouldn't tell you this, but sometimes when I look at David and know that soon I won't ever see him again, I wish the rains would never, never, never come. The rains did come. Three days of drenching downpour. While the rains poured down, there were my tears. I pretended to David that I was annoyed because I couldn't go to my river. And overplayed my hand a little. Susie, you've got a kind of obsession about that river. Do you realize how much you talk about it? Do I? It's a, well, it's just that I feel boxed in when I can't go there. And the first day the sun shines, I'm going. 
The fourth day dawned clear. On our last morning, David sat across from me at breakfast. My husband. Mine. I felt my resolve weakening and wished he wouldn't sit on over his coffee. Go, I thought. Please go. So I can go too. But in spite of inner torment, I said what had to be said. It's a lovely blue-eyed spring morning, David. I can go to the river. <laughs> My wife and her love affair with a river. It, well, it does have something to do with a love affair. <laughs> can a husband be jealous of a river? <laughs> You're teasing me. No, complimenting you, really. You're a marvel, Susie. Have I told you that lately? Probably not. All right, I'm off. Have a fine blue-eyed day. Dr. David Clark came around the table to his wife, standing beside her wheelchair. Usually, in farewell, he only touched her cheek with his hand. If he kisses me, Susan thought, I cannot go. A kiss would be a sign that he loves me a little, and I will not go through with it. She holds herself rigid, waiting. And we must wait for Act Three. Never to see David again would be Susan's true death. She longed for the kiss that would hold her to him. His hand touched her cheek. He did not kiss her. She said only two words, final and terrible. Goodbye, David. As he turned to go, she even managed to smile. He would remember her smiling on that fatal morning, would believe in the accident. Now, she sits on alone, waiting for Aunt Tim. The moment I woke up, the sun told me you'd say today is the day. I lay there planning how I'd argue with you. You did? Plead, beg, even cry. And then I told myself nothing would change your mind. It's too late for that. So this is the day, Susan. Yes, this is the day. Again, Aunt Tim. The die is cast. Yes. I'm clocking how long it takes to get to our cottage so you'll know exactly for the other times. Yes. I've uh, seen my house for the last time. David, for the last time. It isn't real. I don't believe it. It's as if... No. I will not talk like this. Think like this. The die is cast. And Tim? Yes. I I know what you have to do is harder in some ways than what I have to do. I'll just sit up there in the mountains and wait while oh, you... Don't belittle what you have to do. Manage alone. You've never had to do that since your accident. But I can. I've practiced enough. Oh, poor dear Aunt Tim. You have to go back and tell David... The endless lies. 
could never have left Susan alone, David. The river at flood like that. I told her I wanted to stay. Several times I told her. I said I was afraid of that river. I remember I used the word ominous. Now it's as if... as if I had a premonition. And Susan not listening. Laughing at your fears. Liking to be alone. Sending you off. That's exactly how it was. Exactly. And then... And the river she loved, taking her. Taking her like a lover for its own. You could say that. Damn the river. She loved it and it killed her. Have you any idea what it does to me to know that if I'd given her a better life, this wouldn't have happened? She'd never have felt the need to go to that place. No, no, no. That's not true, David. Her painting, she went there to paint the wild beauty of the water. It is true. Her life would have been full. Instead, it was empty because of me. It was barren. David, and... don't talk like that. Now, it would break her heart if she knew you felt any guilt at all. You were always good to her. You've nothing to regret. Good. She was good. Brave. Gallant. Never the martyr. Never accusing. She never felt there was anything to accuse you of. She loved you. And heaven forgive me, I could never love her the way she needed and deserved. But I loved her, Aunt Tim. I loved her. Alone in the mountains, one worry for me was that friendly Mr. Olby might come to call. He did just that. Fortunately, I was not in my chair. Tired from painting, I was lying on the couch when he knocked, my easel close by. Quickly, I took the afghan covering me and threw it over my chair. Then, with my hands lifted, my legs to the floor so I could sit up. Who is it? Amos Albee. Come in, Mr. Albee. The door's off the latch. Well, good day, ma'am. Just come by to see is everything all right? Everything's fine. Forgive me for not getting up. I've been painting for hours. It's made me tired and lazy. <laughs> now, there's no call for fancy manners. So, you're a painter? Yes, of sorts. There on my easel is the view from that front window. Bless my soul. The spitting image of them trees out there. The stream behind them rips snorting down the mountain. It's real beauty. I never saw the light. Thank you. Have a seat, Mr. Alvey. Well, no, I can't stay but a minute. i got to get back to the store. I'm awfully sorry I can't offer you something cool to drink. We haven't been very efficient about supplies. My aunt's gone to remedy that. Oh, that's so? I didn't see her car in the village. She's gone to the city. We need other things from there. You don't mind being out here in the woods by your lawn? Not a bit. I paint better alone. My my late husband never understood that. Uh, here I am bothering you. Well, I'll go along. Uh, ma'am, I hope you'll be happy here. I surely do. Happy? That was not part of the plan. Only David was meant to be happy. 
Aunt Tim came back for a few hours the day after Mrs. David Clark's memorial service. It had been another painful ordeal, but in a way, laughable. All the lovely, sad things the Reverend Harris said about you. I kept wanting to shout, Stop! Please, stop! Darling Susan is alive and well and living in the mountains. Uh, well, what have you had? <laughs> but someone else might say it if we don't make more plans fast. Who? Who on earth? Mr. Albie. He was here yesterday, inside. Your chair, did he see it? I had time to cover it up. Then pretended I was too tired to get up from the couch. But if he makes a habit of coming... And Tim, as soon as you're here for good, we've got to tell him I had some kind of accident and I have to be in a wheelchair. More lies. But that isn't a lie, is it? Well, the lies aren't near finished with David. I can't keep on leaving you here alone. That was too close a call yesterday. And what if someone notices when I come here I never stay overnight? You have business in the city. Oh, that won't wash after a while. If I had that much business, I wouldn't take a house in the mountains. Well... Next week, I'm going to tell David the last pack of lies. David, tell me I'm a busybody if you want to, but I just have to ask you a question. Any question, ask. Laura. Laura? What about her? Well, that's my question. Nothing about her. You're not planning to see her? No. Is she married? Well, no. I'd have heard about it. Oh. Oh, I'm glad, David, because Susan would want you to be with her. She told you that. And out of some wrong feeling of guilt, if you plan not ever to see Laura, then you're being faithless to Susan's memory. Thank you for saying that, Aunt Tim. Thank you. A week later, Aunt Tim told David what she called her last pack of lies. David, I came to live in this house to take care of Susan. I can't bear it here now that she's gone. I thought it would get easier, but it gets worse. It's the same with me. I see her everywhere. I hear her voice. I keep remembering her at the breakfast table that last morning, smiling. I'm glad I can remember her that way, but I can't stand the house. I'll sell it and buy another. Can you bear with it just a little longer? But, David, it's not just the house. It's the city. Her city, the river. Her river. I want to leave all the memories. So I'm going to travel, David... I've friends to visit abroad, and eventually I'll find the place I want to live. And you'll find a new life, too. I hope, and I know I speak for Susan, I hope it's with Laura. Aunt Tim and I live in a village in France. Seven years have passed. Mrs. David Clark is legally dead. Yesterday, from America, came copies of the newspaper we subscribed to. In one of them, a picture of a young woman. A pretty, sweet face. Susan, look at, look at this picture. Miss Laura Stewart. 
David's Lord. Let me see. Read the caption. Miss Laura Stewart, married today to Dr. David Clark. Oh, Aunt Tim. So, what you wanted has come to be. At long, long last. Now that it's happened, really happened. How do I feel? I don't know. It's too soon. Glad for David, of course. But how do I feel for me? And Tim, I'll tell you something I've never confessed before. To this day, I don't know if what I did, I'm still doing, is wrong or right. Dear, you always said it was right. Always. I had to say that. But I do know lies are wrong. I know laws are meant to be obeyed. My entire life is a lie. And because of me, David has two wives breaking a law of God and man. As long as I live, I'll ask myself if what I've done is good or evil. And I will never know the answer. Never. Sleepless, haunted nights, Susan seems to hear a voice whisper. It was wrong. An act of betrayal. Go back. What's done can be undone. She closes her ears. She will not hurt David anymore. What is now is forever. On better nights, she hears, What you've done is good, is healing. An act of love. David is happy. Be happy, too. And she is. I will return shortly. Staying on the road with Quaker State. Running long and trouble-free. Quaker State's new lifetime engine lubrication. Check out this amazing low price. The death of Susan Clark was a lie. But no one who hears her story can deny that she died a thousand deaths. Now I ask again the question we began with. Can good come of evil? In the case of Susan Clark, I personally answer an unqualified yes. What do you answer? How finds the jury? Our cast included Roberta Maxwell, Terry Keene, Gordon Gould, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. preview of our next tale. You must understand I do not willingly cause you pain. You force it upon me. Yesterday you gave us to understand no one in Doremi or anywhere else conspires with you. And now perhaps today you uh, remember it differently. I have nothing to add. We have sworn evidence that you are a courier for the French underground. Courier? What is that? Do you deny that you have carried messages from Doremi to Paris? the contents of which are to sabotage the German offensive. Whatever I have done has been at the bidding of the holy voices. Ah, sir. Young woman, this is the 20th century. There are no voices other than human. 
You have withstood some pain by refusing to tell us who is in this plot with you. However... There are voices. I tell you, there are. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Thursday night CBS Radio Mystery Theater, 806 on 1160 AM. U.S. District Court Judge Alden Anderson today held the local air traffic controllers union and its top office.